should you decide to accept it. Welcome to yet another week of the Your Mission podcast. We are talking about the Moody Blues Days of Future Past this week. And yes. on Jenny's choice, we are cutting down. Time. Jenny, justify, you have two minutes to justify your choice for this week. <laughs> um, mostly is that I threw out a series of options and this is the one you bid on. <laughs> yes. Nice. But, Put it back on me. No, I'm just saying it wasn't like it wasn't like I gave y'all no choice. However, this was my suggestion for something random. We I had a number of other things that are probably a lot more familiar to us and folks folks of a certain age, a little more commonplace, and this was my suggestion for random random and different. And that's pretty much, I think, what covers it. It is half, half, wait, can, wait, can we say rock opera? It's not really that, but it's something like that. It's not what I would like normally think of when people talk about symphonic rock. Yeah. And I feel like it's been co-opted into involving Metallica. Um, <laughs> true. Uh, true. Do you remember that? Do you remember um, Metallica's S&M album? It's poorly named. I, I I will stand behind like hearing a little bit of that version of Metallica to uh, symphonic music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it works that well with Saint Anger style stuff. <laughs> where they're trying to do more yeah harder metal, but I, I it works for that. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that record coming out, and I think to me it was just like I guess they're never going to go back to their thrash stuff. Like they're they're at this I, moment in their career. Hey, those guys don't really, I don't, not that Metallica is focused here, but I don't think those guys really have a chance of doing anything that's not outside of the zeitgeist at this point. Yeah. Like, Wouldn't that be like the hardest left turn? We're going to talk about this classical album, but also 10 minute sidebar from Metallica. <laughs> and also the more Metallica, wait, and it just went on for yeah, a let's... <laughs> Welcome to the Metallica episode. You, yeah. We fucking got you in here, and now this is what's going on. Gotcha, bitch. Yeah. 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 thought this was going to be about the Moody Blues. This isn't yeah. about the Moody Blues. This is why you came here. It's not we're, about the Moody we're, Blues. We're playing the heels. <laughs> So, well, okay, to attempt to walk it back to the Booty Blues. The Booty Blues? Yeah. Did did I not say that? What did I say? You said the Booty Blues? The Booty Blues. blues. (laughs) Okay. Then let me try and walk the Booty Blues back. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so Jenny, you offered that as an option. I was like, yeah, let's do it. I love the Moody Blues. Like, I've been listening, I don't know. In full disclosure, I guess... I listened to the Moody Blues for the first time. It was at the Westerns house, so the family, the Westerns, so Gabe, Krista, etc. And uh, it was like some one of those uncles had it like playing on a record, and like I always, I liked it. I don't know, uh, it was pretty young. Anyway, so you decide, you tell me, okay, all right, let's do that. I was like, yeah, I was super excited to do to do this and listen to this for the week. And I think one of the things that ended up happening is, like, I started listening to it and I was like, fuck, I don't remember, I don't remember all these orchestral parts. <laughs> like all these like weird, like long, yeah, like random flugelhorn, like <laughs> clarinet. I don't know, just weird, in- you know, weird instruments you'd hear in an orchestra, right? 
No, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I kind of remember last week I was like about to give the disclaimer. I was yeah. I started saying it's yeah. a little now it's like a different album, and then you're like, no, nah, it's cool. So <laughs> I know I I totally remembered what we were getting into. Yeah, this is it's an interesting intersection of psychedelic rock and orchestral music. So now I will say, and and then I'll shut the hell up and let you finish, Alonzo, mm-hmm. but. I will say just at the outset that the Moody Blues did not do another album like this. In fact, prior to this album, they just, we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Peter Green, they, like many other bands in England, started out doing like blues covers. They did not do them nearly as compellingly, in my opinion, as Peter Green did. I skip over most of that catalog. There there was a cover of a song called Go Now, which was like them trying to cover like a, a very like not white song or whatever. but. My sister, we used to share a room, unfortunately for both of us, because we irritated the shit out of each other all the time. I used to, I was playing Go Now at one point, and she would just like yell gonads over it instead of Go Now. <laughs> like that's how much, that's nice. how much she enjoyed that song, and frankly, it wasn't that great. But my point being, this album marked the that transition, I think, away from the blues music and into more rock style stuff, give or take. Everything after this was not orchestra-based, and there is, in, at least in our Google document, there's a whole supercut of probably, I guess, across most of Moogly's albums that came out since, subsequently. My personal recommendations for the rock songs afterward get going all the way up until the electronic, like, 80s stuff. I forgot so, about Legend of a Mind. Uh, uh, I, which yeah. I don't ever know by that song title. To me, it's Timothy Leary. Like, it's always been... T- and, and, like, yeah. I'm like, what? Legend of a Mind? What the fuck is that? But, so my point is, if you hear this and you're like, uh, it's not for me, don't assume that the rest of the blues aren't for you because there's some pretty good psychedelic bangers on the rest of the catalog. Yeah. Now, on to Yeah, so, yeah. So, I'm, I'm familiar with some of the rest of the catalog. I think I have To Our Children's Children <laughs> on vinyl. And I played Wait, it. Is that, I think it's, it's on our generation. That's the next generation, right? I, I it, it depends on how short the gen. It depends on when you have kids, potentially. But yeah, I, I was gonna say I think that's a Monty Python quote, but then I think I remembered it was a uh, to our father's right, right, father. Yes, yes, yes. Wrong direction. Oh, wrong right. direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, so that was surprising. I was listening. I was listening to it, and then I started thinking about the title, right? So the title, Days of Future Past, right? So there's a, when, when Ryan and I were growing up, we would uh, read X-Men comics. That was like a big part of our childhood. And there was an X-Men story called Days of Future Past, P-A-S-T. Really? And it was like this like time travel story where like, wait, who comes back from the future? Is it Wolverine? Like he yeah. comes from I the mean, future that's... like to yeah. warn the X-Men of the present that like the Sentinels are gonna take over and they're all gonna get killed and they which need to is, do something different about it. Which is the story that the second, is it Brian Singer? The second Brian Singer X-Men, it focuses on, right? They, I think, yeah. There's the future past. One of the movies like kind of riffs on it a little bit. It's the second one of the newer trilogy. Yeah, thanks Fox so, and Marvel and all your right. assholes for just restarting the same fucking storyline ever again. Yeah, God. Oh, so yeah? you said uh, we have to do something different about it. No, no, the shit you did 
do some different shit. Well, I think yeah, just I do really a different like fucking story. Yeah. I, if I maybe I should just you know what maybe I should just write like an X Men script or something and, yeah. and just put it out there in the world because I feel like I feel like I know what would work. But but anyway, tangent. Okay, back to Days of Future Past. So I was thinking about like Days of Future. What does that mean? And then you notice the titles of the songs here. Which, by the way, they're like sweets. There's like the night suite that has like nights in white satin and all this shit, which is so goddamn yeah. pretentious for a rock band. But anyway, <laughs> the thing that I the thing that I found useful for understanding that yeah. was the LP cover because the LP cover actually breaks down which of these is is what, whereas like just the track listing on something like Amazon Music is like the afternoon. Yeah, like, unhelpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know that's Tuesday afternoon. Exactly. So I was thinking, okay, so it's it's like parts of the day, right? Like it's the afternoon, the sunset, the dawn, sure. twilight, okay, the night. And I was thinking, okay, so it's, it's, so it's today, days of future past. Like it's the days in the future that have passed, which is the present, which is today, right? So it's a, the album is about today. And then I started thinking, why the fuck didn't they just call this today or... Whatever. They had to call it Days of Future Past. And I was thinking, dude, that's totally on brand. Because they have orchestral arrangements where you don't fucking need them. Every song is colored with these things that you don't need. I feel like, ultimately, take away. Right? It's, I want to get to the good sh Like, I want to get to the Tuesday afternoon. I want to get to the Nights in White Satin. Like, I want to get to the Twilight Time. But then, in between, it's these arrangements and... Look, don't get me, I, I like classical music and I like, there's a lot of stuff I like. These arrangements feel really buttoned up and conservative. And I don't think the contrast really works with the psychedelic stuff. It just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right like the way like the Beach Boys, how the Beach Boys tried to like incorporate these sort of orchestral sounds. Like it just sounds natural. With this, it just sounds pasted together. Yeah, and, they've just taken the different parts and just combined them, but, you And, know. like, at the beginning, the beginning, what's the, the very first track? Like, it has, the like... Day, the day begins, yeah. Yeah, it has, like, the motifs of all these different, like, so songs yeah. and, and parts of the album. And I just wanted to be like, all right, now I want to hear Nights in White Satin. And that's like, it doesn't... It just doesn't let you get there, and it, the arrangements sound cheesy to me. Like, they sound like movie soundtrack cheesy. Yeah. You know? yeah, like lunch break is. It's I, every time I hear it, I can picture Zsa Zsa Gabor walking out of stores on like Fifth Avenue, like with just arms full of like purchases. But there's something very like whimsically throwback about that in in like hearing that in the middle of this album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, like for me, I think the classical pieces pull together the full day motif of yeah you've got your nights in white side you've got your tuesday afternoon you've got your what is it dawn is a feeling like dawn is a feeling yeah the, yeah you get your like kind of psychedelic tracks here and there but these guys like they tossed in this symphonic filler material that gets you in between these like moments through the day and I think it's interesting in terms of like falling into the reality, the boring nature. The, it's not exciting, but like there's some beauty in there to find it. And then dropping into these like intensely psychedelic tracks. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you described it really well, Ryan. Because the parts of this album I like, I really, I really do. Like, 
Nights in White Satin is it's that song and White Rabbit are like my go-to for karaoke. If they're <laughs> on the karaoke machine and like I can, they're available, I'm definitely doing both of these songs. And I think the singing is so intense and like it's so, the sound is so hazy and weird. And then it becomes this like cheesy like fifties like musical orchestral arrangement. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like what? That becomes like tries to become like West Side Story or something, and it, it just it and doesn't work for me. I think a lot of that is the so. So we were talking off camera briefly. Like I think a lot of that is the way that this album happened, right? So. They owe Decca Records a fair amount of money. Decca Records wants them to cover Antonin Dvorak's Ninth Symphony. They hire a symphony to do the work. Partway through that recording, I think either Decca Records fall apart or the recording falls apart, but they've got access to the symphony. But the thing that they never do is record side by side. All the symphonic pieces are recorded on their own, all the rock pieces are recorded all their on their own, right. and then incorporated like when they're editing the album together. I feel like there are two different things meshed together to make this album, and it's not a coherent Beatles feeling. But at the time that they're making this, no one's doing that. This is the like the the proto concept album. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the Beatles. I think to be fair, the Beatles did some orchestral arrangements for some of their songs before this. Like I think Magical Mystery Tour is when they started like really doing stuff like that. I'm I'm the Walrus, right? What, what record is I'm the Walrus? I think that's Yellow Submarine. Yeah. So I think I think the Beatles were doing it, doing this sort of thing around the same time, but it doesn't sound. It colors the song. It adds the song. It isn't like a piece of the song. But again, I would say that like when the Beatles are recording Magical Mystery Tour, like they're incorporating this into the composition of each song and they're not segregating the vocal yeah. rock pieces from the symphony. But when, when you have them completely separated, like it's not like the Moody Blues were having the symphony record accompaniment pieces that got mixed into the song later by and large it's they're very separate recordings yes i mean like this song we're listening to the sunset right mm -hmm. this is cool this is, this is like prime this is like old pink floyd this is just cool british yeah. psychedelic i don't know i just want to get i want to get to this stuff i want to get to this stuff i remember putting on the first track when i was like playing it back when i was like playing it back and just being like, okay, this is gonna go away in like 15 yeah, seconds, right? Like, like, <laughs> like this whole like, this whole like. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that I'm, I think I'm in the middle. Like, I agree that for what they were trying to do and the way that they were forced to go about it, I, I don't hate, I don't hate the orchestra parts. I don't love them either. I don't mind when they're like if I'm playing the whole thing through and they're there. It's like the yeah, fine, that's fine. 
but I also too, if I'm really, my playlist does not include the the orchestral pieces. I am trying to mainline that good content directly. I'm not trying to fuck around with these little, uh, it's fine. It's just not a preference, but mm -hmm. I will also say that in my opinion, the Moody Blues are just like that, like all the way through. When I went through it, when I was going through all the albums today to make a playlist, like, I was like sitting there and I was just like pulling them up and I'm like, oh yeah, that is a phenomenal song. I love that song. And then I'm just like, but also like a good half of this album is like random trash that I don't listen to <laughs> at all. No offense, like they yeah. they had the ability to make some great music, but they also were very, for me at least, they were very hit and miss. It was like a lack of consistency or just maybe stuff wasn't for me, but. I feel like, I don't feel like I don't know if the world was ready for the fillerless days of future past. Like that's it's, true. It's it's two more years to end the court of the Crimson King drop. Yes. This is two full years before that. The psychedelic components of this are easily on par with some of the more psychedelic early crimson like material. But it's also a great album. So, I love that album. Yeah, great. It's an amazing album. And the difference between the two is like and the Court of the Crimson King has no filler. But two full years ahead of this, these guys are starting to make that music, and I don't think their audience at the time was ready for a full-on psychedelic romp through 1967. <laughs> well, right. which, well, is, which is what they very quickly got onto next, but yeah. Look at, yeah. The, al look at the album art. Look yeah. at the album cover. It, so the, okay, the, the image is like very psychedelic and cool, whatever. Yeah. The but above it it looks like a classic. Have you ever picked up a, a, a classical yeah. LP, right? So it looks like that. It has the composer, the conductor, the the suite and the motifs, all that shit. So it's who who bought this record? Like who's this marketed I, to? I, I, I it, wonder. It has it has a lot of like happy psychedelic colors, but the like I don't know. I can look at that image and see a pair of skulls like inverted at 180 degrees it's it, there's some darkness to this trippy album cover but yeah the other thing to wonder is what else was Decca Records putting out at this time frame what what do they have that they're releasing at the same time are they the ones pushing this kind of symphonic appearance for the album cover and then the psychedelic imagery is added by the artist it's hard to know without doing some deeper research than I, I did. <laughs> I'm doing some research right now. Apparently they released, in, in, so they had an American and British component. In America they, were, they released the first recording of White Christmas by Bing Crosby. They did do a whole bunch of blues records, early blues records. But um, at this time frame they're doing like big band music. Yeah. They turned down the Beatles. But then they signed the Stones hmm. early on in the 60s. Let's see. Yeah, they had some success with some novelty, like records apparently, like Father Abraham and the Smurfs and others. <laughs> but but yeah. Now, now I want to hear that. Father like, Abraham and the Smurfs. We might have to listen to yeah. it in the after party. Um, so I'm gonna skip back just by the way there's a part of here of this mm -hmm. song which we're in twilight time then it shifts to the orchestral arrangement right I heard this and I was like 
I know this has been sampled in hip hop. Just this right piece right now. Really? Did Duke sample this? Yes, he it did. It sounds like he totally I, did. Yeah. I was say, it sounds like <laughs> yeah. it sounds like the kind of sample Stoop the enemy. Yeah. Maybe. So this, yeah. So listen to the song in the after party. I think, but it's a song that it was a song that Guru from Gangstar did, and it was he was on a a beat produced by Stoop the Enemy of Mankind, who was the main producer for Jedi Mind Tricks, but. And apparently there's a whole bunch of people that sample the symphonic parts of this record in hip-hop. Funny really? enough. Yeah, I know. I, w- I wouldn't have ever guessed. But anyway, yeah, so I guess Decca was doing some stuff, I, I suppose, but... The fact that they wanted a band like the Moody Blues to release, like, an Anthony Dvorak um, <laughs> you know, cover album tells you what they were trying to drum up at the time, so... I think it's interesting because this is psychedelic music that came out of a task focused on symphonic orchestral music. And they managed to work in some beautiful early psychedelia to to a completely different project. So what do you think about... So this song, okay, Nights in White Satin, let let me just pull up some facts here. It charted in the United States. This is interesting. It, it never reached more than 103 in the United States when it came out in 1968. <laughs> when the record was reissued in 1972, the single, the song hit number two for two weeks. So it's one of those songs that like... Just... Again, you look at the time frame difference, like just the variation between 67 and 72. You've got a whole world of psychedelia that people have been introduced to in the U.S. Um, so I have a copy of this record that has the single version of the song, and I also have a copy that has a live version of the song. That's just oh, really? the, yeah, they just sound it's so like good, man. Op- opposite ends of the spectrum, it would seem. Yeah. Like, well, the live version sounds remarkably like the fidelity to the. Like, you hear, like, the kind of, like, super high-pitched harmony in the background. Like, they actually pull it off. It, it, it sounds pretty good. We'll have to listen to it in the after party. What do you think about but that? I be- well, go ahead. Go ahead, Ron. I was going to say, I bet that version is a much longer version than the album versus the single, which is probably really trimmed down. The single was 3 minutes and 6 seconds, the original. Then, when they re-released, it was four minutes and 26 seconds and then the album version is seven minutes and a half so yeah it's no it's look it's great as a single to me it's it's so cool it's so cool it like kind of defines in some ways it's like soundtrack of an era that i wasn't born in like i wasn't around for but like to me i hear that in in a lot of associated with sort of images of that time in some way alonzo do you think and not to totally change the subject but I, I think from time to time also feel like maybe instead of being about a day, this is about, this is like maybe also about a lifetime, like birth through death, the thing. Do you get that vibe at all or not? I guess now that you mention it, sure. Although like this song, I feel like this song, it seems like it's about like an intense love and that, I don't know that's something that I would associate with the end of life. 
or towards the end of life. Like the pa like those sort of passions like kind of burn in your like when you're younger, right? Yeah. But it's not to discount it. Honestly, I'm sure there's lots of ways of, to read it. I was like, yeah, oh, for sure. Or also maybe it was intentionally both. But and I think I don't disagree with you except for that sometimes I get a vibe from the song that's more just like thinking back of like on a love. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Toma. I've always seen this as like the story of life through the progression of the album. And while Nights in White Satin has like the passionate vocals that you would associate with like youthful passions, I think it's like it also at the same time feels like a reflection on a deep and lasting component of, of their life. And it's that the remorse for what's past, but the appreciation for how much it meant. I think that sits that way for this song for me. Yeah, it's kind Which of... I mean, these guys were all super young when they wrote it. <laughs> kind of, yeah, that kind of cuts maybe against our theory a little bit. Maybe it's a youthful interpretation of what they think it's gonna be like in, you know, 50 years. There aren't a ton of lyrics and there aren't a, so like, I think there's lots and lots of room for I'll tell you what bothers me more than the, even more than the orchestra interludes, what really gets my fucking goat in this is the spoken word stuff. Man, I could really do without that. And I know it's some people's jam, but I, like, it, I don't need this in my album, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I feel like the intention in using it early is to set a tone, and the tone has a very storybook quality to it, like a poetic storybook quality. I think it, I think it works okay in that it kind of mellows the line between psychedelic and symphonic again, right? Like it's this poetic interpretation of where it's going. Now it feels a little lackluster. But, I, I, I agree with you 100%, Jenny. And I think I'm also a little extra butthurt because he kept doing it throughout the rest of their albums. <laughs> Just stop. stop. Yeah. It's much. Uh, it's, a it, much. it's not even, yeah, even the, the quote unquote normal ones. Like he would still do this. And buddy, take this down to take this down to the speakeasy or whatever, wherever you need to take this, take it there. It feels like Vincent Price. Yeah. And also, it does feel like a, Vincent Price. Yeah. He sounds, there's a lot of like discussion or like just earlier, I was telling Chris, there are other things parts not on this album i don't think but like later on where it just sounds like matt berry and it's really jerking me out of the experience <laughs> something another so, interesting yeah i know look i totally agree the spoken word stuff is like super embarrassing like i'm not saying spoken word can't work <laughs> it just in this context it set the mood for me but the wrong mood oh man oh no <laughs> i forgot <laughs> but so here's an interesting thing i remember like we were listening or I was I, I sang this sang nice and white side for karaoke. When we were living in Philly, there was a great karaoke bar in Chinatown that we go to all the time. And what was cool is that you could actually rent like a private room. So if it was like you and I don't know ten or fifteen friends, I like, could go in and private room, so you could actually get some of your requests in there and stuff like on a semi-regular basis, and maybe not feel like you have to sing in front of like a hundred people. So we we would get the private room. I remember singing the song. I remember Katie, my wife, telling me that she never, she always thought it was Nights with a K in White Satin. <laughs> and then I immediately thought, I was like, so wait, you thought it was like about like the Ku Klux Klan or something? Like, <laughs> like and I was like, no, it's, 
they're British. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. This, this conversation came up early in this week in my house. Okay. Like, uh, <laughs> it's like, Aubrey, oh. Aubrey made that statement. I'm like, I, I think I get what you're saying, but like, <laughs> no. you are completely uninformed on this topic. Like, so, listen, any knights wearing white satin are not going to be knights for very long. That is non protective yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, I'm just right. saying, like that's nonsensical. Knights in chainmail, maybe. But yeah, certainly yeah, totally. not white satin. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, absolutely. Also, if you're a clan member, you don't want satin. Like, yeah, you don't you know, want you're satin. Playing with fire too much, satin's really gonna get ruined quickly. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. good. Also, good point. Yeah, for all your clan members. <laughs> I think yeah, like, a little, little summertime tip from Lewis to you. <laughs> for those uh, Kukos Land fans oh, of the pod, dude. fans of the pod. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought we were all going to do a simultaneously. My bad. No, no, no. Hey, man, we need fans, dude. No. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's not K. It's not K Knights of the White Satin, Knights in White Satin. And I will say, though, that there are parts of the orchestral arrangements that, like, the, the orchestral pieces that like do give like a little bit of a medieval vibe. I don't know, there's one part, I'm gonna see if I can just sing it a little bit, like, da-da. Right? That part where I was just like, I can, so that part's like super cheesy to me and sounds ridiculous. See, but, but like for me, I find that part hilarious <laughs> and, and it feels more 19, like late 1940s, early 1950s, New York City. Like, again, I picture Zsa Zsa Gabor and a whole <laughs> bunch of like Fifth Avenue like stores yeah. and are just carrying so many bags from buying so much shit. Yeah. There's a bounciness that I find like very funny. Um, <laughs> it's not a it's not a sound that I go looking for, but when it comes on, I'm like. Dun, 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 dun. It's just <laughs> so like you feel like you're riding a horse. You're riding a horse. See, yeah, I, yeah. Look, I, I love funny I just music. Don't take it that- yeah, yeah, I just don't take it that fucking seriously. Like, like I love, I do love, fun. but I do love. There's lots of music that's funny uh, that I like, right? Like, I mean, but just it, it again, it's like incongruent. Like, it just doesn't like. It it's just but it's not. Jarring. It's not the thing. I I wouldn't play it for someone saying this is funny, <laughs> but, but I would uh, like. I would in between psychedelic like jaunt be like oh yeah it's their sweater interlude the sweater yeah. interlude yeah <laughs> money yeah all right, right good we figured it out okay yeah Done. Right? the pressure's off <laughs> i feel good oh, now yeah. yeah what's their free bird yeah. like every other song yeah <laughs> six six free birds like and, and i mean and a, and a sweater song sweaters Sweater interlude and in, in, somewhere in the middle there. One day when this podcast is huge and we write a book, it's gonna be six free birds and a sweater. <laughs> and we can do it like like kind of to Beck. I've got uh... yeah, two turntables and a microphone. Yeah, I was, I was trying to put that together. Two sweater <laughs> interludes, and a, six. Yeah, we're gonna have to change the way we do ratings. Birds and a, we're gonna yeah. have to change the way we do ratings. Like how many free birds? How many sweater songs? Oh, I give it. Two freebirds and a sweater song. <laughs> Half a sweater song. <laughs> well, I was—I think this was before you showed up, Alonzo, but I yeah. was telling Lewis that it, it is funny because very quickly after this album, they created albums, a couple albums that I'm pretty sure were just like all literally 
about their acid trips. Like one of the Timothy Leary, which I keep calling Timothy Leary is not the name of the song, but there's just like songs that are very much sound like they're just recounting their acid trip and there's door opening sounds and it's just, it's cool, but... In the words of Ornacious D, you gotta follow Inspirato when it hits you. Yeah. Now, listen, they're good. I, I like them. They made some incredibly good music. I just think that they had a tendency uh, from time to really just throw things in there that didn't necessarily bring anything to the already good music. Didn't add what they thought it was adding, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's okay, though. Okay. I say having no no albums, so easy for me to say. Right? Yeah, but look, man. I don't know. I don't make pita chips, but like these pita chips <laughs> suck. I don't know. Flaming. We're going to flame some cedars today on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. You fuckers weren't ready for our critique of pita chips. It's just, yeah, I, I don't know. That, sh- that shouldn't stop you. And the reality is they're making that, if they're making music for themselves, that's masturbation, which is fine. That's cool. But they're generally, they're making music for you or someone like you, right? And if you don't respond to it, it doesn't really work, right? You know, at this point in time, that's probably true. I think... I think they were making music they cared about and they wanted people to be turned on to it, right? right. I wouldn't say it's fully masturbation I, if you're making music just for yourself, but it's certainly important. I mean, it's cool. And sometimes, like, the making music for yourself aligns with what people dig. I, I want you guys to, to promise me at some point you will go listen to House of Four Doors because I will be vindicated. Yeah. Whew. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, there's if you listen through the whole catalog, there's all kinds of instances of that that's not isolated. But like today, I think today I was just like, I listened to this stuff very heavily, probably 20 years ago, and I have not listened to it heavily since, only here and there. Yeah. So I think li- revisiting it, I was just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> you know what, though? This song is really great. What we just heard, For sure. this yeah. song is like yeah, really, yeah. really great. And I caught myself, like today, I was, like, doing, uh, I, yeah. I was, as I was doing work, Her. like outside, like I, it kind of caught Wait, myself you, humming it. Like, yeah, as I've been calling dishes. What's that? <laughs> You weren't washing washing dishes? No. Oh, my God. I actually did have this on while I was loading and unloading my dishwasher, but I did not make that connection. And it's also Cascade, so it doesn't work. But I did, I have been calling that for, like, days now. I've been calling it Dawn as a Vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yep. There were plenty of these songs that, like, Tuesday afternoon that I hadn't heard in a while where, huh? like, you're, you're doing something, you catch yourself humming them. My memory of this album is, it's funny. I think I heard Nights in White Satin probably Tuesday afternoon. I don't think my parents owned this album, but I think I heard both songs at a young age. I remember Nights in White Satin being part of music collections that were advertised on television. So this ends up being like, that ended up being for a period of time, one of those songs that got followed by like a catchy snippet of another hit around the same time frame. Okay. But then I remember you and I were hanging out at some point in high school, Toma, and I got into your car and you had this on CD. And I, I had like, all of them on CD. Yeah, yeah. But like, this was the one that I recognized because I, uh, I didn't know anything about the Moody Blues outside of this album or really two songs. And then I saw this song in your car, or this album in your car, and in my brain it was very much, oh, 
Okay, so I can appreciate classical music that's not just Led Zeppelin. Like, yeah. I can, like, as a like teenager in the 90s, I can listen to classical music that is not, like, on the radio constantly, and there's a lot of really quality stuff that doesn't get handed down in the same way. And yeah. I think I started taking this album very seriously after that, even though, like, at the time, the symphonic stuff didn't sit with me very well. And that's why now I feel like, like it's a full experience for me. Like, I was having a hard time cutting it down because the symphonic like tracks play a role in my experience of the album as an adult that they didn't play in my youth that I appreciate a little bit more and and I certainly would not talk about like the lunch break being as like seminal as Tuesday afternoon but you know I can enjoy them both because the album start to finish is put together in an interesting way that I struggle to find another album that's put together like this at hmm. this time frame. That's interesting. But I also, I am I am happy to hear that in in whatever manner I in whatever indirectly or whatever made you feel like it was cool to do other things or whatever. And I'm just here to tell you that if you all would like for me to bless any random shit you're into, I'm happy to tell you that's fine too. And you're you're all your shit's valid. And you. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Saint Thomas is here to sign off on your musical proclivity. Yeah, on most stuff. Yeah. I mean, but here's here's the thing, right? Thirty nine yet? Fuck. I, you know what? I don't remember, and Chris always has to tell me. I'm thirty eight or thirty. When's no, I'm not thirty nine yet. September. Yeah, so I, I will be. Yeah, you got next month. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you will be soon. Okay. God. Yeah. God. Yeah, we're all thirty nine, basically. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's all good. It's like when I was I was telling you guys that I crashed, I crashed the the uh, fellas film fumblers podcast because I felt like they didn't get why the movie they reviewed was great and worth like more. And and it's when you're our age, I feel like a part of being our age is like being comfortable like expressing opinions and that aren't. I was a little bit afraid to talk to you about this, talk to you about my opinion about this, because A, I know that sometimes I can dominate the conversation, and I don't want to do that. But then B, like, I, I don't want to bring the energy down if you guys, if one of you guys is, like, super stoked and excited. Just tail on that. I think that's a cool, it's a cool outlook, Ryan. And for me, like, classical music, like, I love classical music, but the way this kind of works with me, the rest of the music, it just didn't, it just didn't vibe with me. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I don't know. I think I have a really, I think I got comfortable with this early on. Right? Like I think I got comfortable with this. Like it's, it's really easy to put on Led Zeppelin four with your friends or Led Zeppelin two with your friends, and everybody's like, yeah, it's fucking amazing. It's a very different thing to throw on Tuesday afternoon as a teenager. <laughs> with your you know male friends and be like this is fucking beautiful and amazing in a way that we can't understand and as an adult it it doesn't make its way into my playlist very often but it's been really good to revisit this for a week and and the, the, like monday morning when i was working at my desk listening to this album you know, like heavy repeat i was so just like in the zone, just like happy and comfortable. And again, 
which is why it was difficult because of the way that Amazon Music lists the tracks, they don't break out the like sweet. So a lot of the like track listing is the afternoon, the night, evening, the night. And it's, I know this is nights and white <laughs> or like I know this is Tuesday afternoon. But like songs like Lunch Break and what's the other one? Peak Peak Hour. It's peak Hour. Like, yeah. like, like this having one those that divided <laughs> makes a big difference. Like Peak Hour yeah. is a great track. Yeah. If you're just listening to the beginning at lunch break, I totally understand if you skip the rest of this track because you don't have any idea at that like whimsical, bouncy opening that peak hour is going to kick in in such a great, like, like classic psychedelic track. And not having those divided is a disservice because yeah. if you don't want to listen to the bounciness, you have to then start the track and skip it to the right time signature. And I, I get it, but don't force me to listen to pieces that I may not, that may not resonate, right? Like with Alonzo, like you're not looking for these like symphonic pieces as much as you're looking for the deep psychedelic tracks. And you shouldn't have to sit through something as bouncy <laughs> as lunch break if you don't want to, when you want to listen to peak hour, which is easily the most psychedelic track on the album. Yeah. Like it is that classic, yeah, that that classic heavy psychedelia. So yeah, I think it's for me more than anything. It's just that the just most of the symphonic pieces just don't add. Like they don't add. I think what Jenny you said is like it's like they don't. They, like, you can take them or leave them, and I'll leave them. Like it's just kind of like, what do they like? What do they ultimately add? And I still argue that they're not there to add, they're there to mellow out and make it palatable to a generation of people that were not prepared for <laughs> peak hour for eight tracks. Sure. Like. And that's totally fair, but I, I think that I have just a, just a similar application, I think, across the board for just them as artists, which like, it was really, it was really nice to listen to this album, but it wasn't the orchestra parts weren't the parts I was like excited to hear again and they're not the parts that made me feel like happy and comfortable but if you go through it like it's there and then the the bonus was that after I did that I went back through like the all the albums and put together like my best of playlist and I cut out a lot of stuff like I went through it with a pretty fine-tuned scalpel and I got rid of all the stuff but that's down in its current form yeah. just is the best of everything that they were doing and it was so nice to listen to that today and it was definitely that yeah like that was my happy comfortable so I was like oh shit I haven't heard this one in so long but it was so good like this was such a you know banger as the kids say <laughs> it slaps kids it does slap. <laughs> or some of them Honestly, some of them just trip. Yeah. I think if we're gonna follow along that, I told yeah. Chris I'm insisting on using the right adjective because some things don't necessarily slap. So I'm now determined to come up with adjectives for all of them, and I think some of these <laughs> trip, and that's okay. It, they do. Yeah, they vibe. vibe. Yeah. They vibe. Good vibrations. No, that's no, that doesn't work. But no, no. But yeah. yeah. So I love that you have your wildest dreams. <laughs> yeah. Because so your wildest dreams. On, on on your like kind of mega mix your wildest dreams is definitely it's in my arsenal of 80s songs that are cool and obscure enough nobody knows about them it's definitely in that i'll pull that one and has nothing to do with anything we're listening to right now like zero 
<laughs> no orchestral nothing. Basically just synth pop, but catchy as all hell. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Okay, we're at an hour. Yeah. What do you say we we do a review and maybe think about Okay, actually you know what? No, I'm sorry. We should go over our, our, our cuts. Yeah. Can yeah. we take one second while I uh, yeah, yeah. hit the head real quick? Yeah, yeah. Let's do our cuts Thank and then reviews, yeah. I think there's a ton of overlap here, basically. There is, but I think that's also like, to be expected because, like, for the most part, it's the songs. And also, I was listening to these on Amazon Music, and so I kept forgetting, and I never knew what the... All these songs, I give them my own titles. I don't know what the fuck their actual title is. So I, I suffered from that originally. I forgot that the sunset was a separate part of Twilight Time, and then I was just reminded, oh, yeah, no, wait, that's the other part I really like. But like the song songs are good and the orchestral parts are what they are and I didn't necessarily expect to see someone's play soup their cuts consisting only of the orchestra pieces. That would have been that I would have had to have been like, alright, but are you are you having all your needs met at home? What's up? I'm actually sharing oh, a loaded question. Alright, I'm actually oh, sharing our I'm actually sharing our cuts on the stream. Okay. The actual Google Doc. Yeah, I have some of these records, I have some of these other records on vinyl, yeah. and they're cool, like, again, shit, like, they're super fun, psychedelic. There's a French band called, I think it's called Magma, and really? I have some of their records, like, I found some in a rummage shop here in Albuquerque, Nice. And I feel like they're the French Moody Blues, because they do orchestral arrangements, but they're, they add an extra layer of weirdness. And ah. the, their extra layer of weirdness is that they invented a whole language for some of their albums. Like really? they and they sing in this weird language and Alright, we're gonna you're gonna have to throw one of those in the after party now. You yeah, can't talk about it like that and then not super weird um, relic of the sixties and seventies. But uh, I'll take that over uh, your standard top one hundred today any day of the week. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really will. Okay, so I'll go through mine and let's see here. Is there anything that I... All of mine... Okay, wait, wait. Brian, I think we're... Um, I'm echoing. Or... Yeah, so there, there is an echo. I think there's something that comes from Toma's side that does it. And I say that only because the window within Discord lights up Toma's window anytime you or I talk. Okay. My MacBook fan is running, but I think that's it. I have no idea why it does it, Toma, but you sit there quietly and I talk and our windows are highlighted. So, I don't know. Sorry. Uh, some weeks it happens, some weeks it doesn't. We just gotta yeah. use, use your chi and focus through <laughs> people. Right. Okay. Um, it, everything actually sounds fine to me. I don't hear anything. I think so that, it's not, it's not bothering Figures. Figures, yeah. you're the problem. <laughs> of course you wouldn't hear it. So yeah, my cut overlaps with your guys' cut cuts, like perfectly. So maybe Jenny, can you talk about peak hour? Because it sounds like lunch break and peak hour are the ones that I did not have that you guys had. I did not have that you guys had. Yeah, or actually, I don't know. I feel like maybe even Lewis ought to talk about Peak Hour because he was so passionate about it there a minute ago. I just put uh, it. Oh, yeah. No, I, mean, I, I just actually was trying to I mean, 
I just closed my Chrome window thinking maybe that would help something, and then this Google Doc was in it. Whoops. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It probably didn't. Yeah. I don't think so, but that's okay. Welcome to 2020, people. Like every Zoom meeting you assholes are having with all your friends and family is the same fucking thing. Yeah, peak hour is is not at the top of my list, but I didn't. I thought it was definitely like good enough to include, and I didn't want to cut it out. This is not the part of it, obviously, <laughs> that the, I am referring to. This is the. Uh... This, is, this is my part. This is my. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. this thing is like the comedic relief of the album for me. Like lunch break is dumb. Da, 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 da. It feels like it belongs over top of the Jetsons intro, totally. you know? Like or, that's yes. what it belongs yeah, yeah. Or just someone doing a bunch of errands in the cartoon yeah. back in the day, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's the soundtrack for a 1950s infomercial about the future kitchen. Right? <laughs> it oh. is a woman in a flowing dress bouncing between the automated services that are in the kitchen of the future. See, like, this is what I'm saying, man. How the fuck does this work with a fucking psychedelic? Like, I don't understand, man. It doesn't work. Dude, you just gotta, uh... you gotta let it flow, man. You just gotta <laughs> let the ridiculousness take you over. <laughs> It's actually oh, just kitchens, kitchens of future past, Lewis. That's what it is. <laughs> but but it's a future past, which means the present, which means today. Right. Which, instead of the just blender. saying all that, like, they could have just said kitchens of today. Yeah. Right. I'd be like, hey, surprise! It's actually the kitchen you have now. <laughs> there are times when I've been cooking over the last few months that this could have easily been put as the soundtrack to me doing that. Um, <laughs> it felt very However. frantic, but it all worked out fine in the end. However, no. this part, I also, this part is the part I'm sold on. This, this, yeah. as they say, bangs. And it's also like a little bit, it has a little bit of a monkey's vibe to me, yeah, so honestly. I was, I, you read my mind. Like you you totally read my mind. I was like, this sounds like a monkey song to me. Yeah, I was thinking monkeys. I was also thinking like cream or the birds, right? Like early, like blue psychedelic I could band. see like the birds, yeah. Yeah, good call. Yeah, but that's it. Basically, everything else, like, we agree on 100%. Nobody included well, but, the opening track, which I guess is not surprising to me. In the end, like, I thought about it as the opening of my cut, but it's not necessary. It's, like, yes. it's, I, I don't need a track that, like, introduces me to the possibilities of the album. <laughs> just play the fucking album. Just play the goddamn no, I, music. I totally agree. It's also one of those songs that in in 2020 and I get in my car and I connect. Sorry, Kirby's got to make an appearance. Inevitably, there will be cat butthole. Oh. Not this time. It's one of those tracks that is a problem because when I get in my car and it starts playing and it's just connected to my stereo, I'm not sure if it's fucking working for 45 seconds. <laughs> so. The first 45 seconds in the car are like troubleshooting a problem that doesn't exist <laughs> because it starts at nothing and builds in a way that it's like, oh, no, wait, I think there's a rumble. Yeah, yeah, there's a rumble. All right, we're in. We're See, good. we should do a musical challenge of finding like the, those songs because I completely empathize with your struggle there. And I feel like there's like a handful of records I listen to that that's exactly the same, same struggle. And shit breaks frequently enough 
that it's, am I going to have to troubleshoot this thing right now? I really don't. I'm just trying to go get some groceries yeah. and I want to listen to psychedelic music on the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, cause I did, so I've been taking the kids to picking the kids up from school and taking them to school this week. And so I've been listening to the, this in the car in, in short bursts and what do the, what do the kids think of it? The kids, they liked Nights in White Satin. They, but they didn't really like they just they, they couldn't pay attention enough um, to like like some of the others it just didn't it's make an impression like it would just sound like background music it's like when Josephine you talk about Josephine watching Batman versus Superman and like right. 45 minutes in you know is Batman in this is movie? Batman in this movie <laughs> like, yeah like, no I guess you're right Batman has not made yet an appearance in the movie yeah. with a, um, his name uh, the title. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's a movie about court cases right fine. so but but like just to compare it to to Can't Buy a Thrill, I was listening to Can't Buy a Thrill in short bursts in the car, and she told me that she really liked Midnight Cruiser. Like we were, that came on, and she was like, That's "The song great. is really cool." And uh, like, good taste. That's a good song. Yeah. Well, I and, think it was my number one. So and well, I, 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 it was it was your number one. I pick up I pick up her and two of her friends and drop them off at their parents' house and. I'm trying to think. There was some. What else was I playing? Oh yeah, I was playing "Do It Again" when that when, and they were like, "What is this?" And I was like, "Oh, it's this band called Steely Dan. That's a song called Do It Again." And Josephine was like, "Oh yeah, I really like this song." And I was like, "Yes, yes, I am fucking so, parent of the fucking century, man." I think that's interesting because, like, when you think about our exposure to Steely Dan, it was a hundred percent because my parents like turned on the radio when they were in the car as opposed to putting in a tape so steely dan came on at someone else's discretion i had no say over it and it may be weeks in between like hearing these tracks that i really liked at the time whereas your daughter's experience with steely dan your your son's experience with steely dan is like the full like here's this is what this album sounds like and they may love a track that's not a single right like it's yeah. not it's not a thing used to promote the album it's legitimately a track they enjoy i'll tell you what they don't beautiful i'll tell you what they don't like on the bad side i guess they don't like basically anything metal like they're just like no i don't like this cool. <laughs> like, that's cool no. they have plenty of years to develop the kind of angst that will help like fuel that fire right i love that like your daughter's favorite song for a period of time was ariel pink slime oh je- um, jello it was jello yeah, yeah i mean that's it's kind like, of perfect that's that just shows me like <laughs> so much hope because that well you don't have to that's not a song you, that requires you take it seriously if yes. anything, it's the opposite. And right. the moment you relax into how good that song is, it's, it becomes the earworm that haunts you for no apparent reason. Months yeah. later, you'll be singing about Jello. That's it's right. So yeah, yeah. No, it's it is awesome. It is awesome exposing the kids to music that they would otherwise not hear. And and the, the reality is, and this is where there's like a parental philosophical disagreement between, let's say, me and Katie, right? is when we're driving in the car like i put on the music i want to listen to and the kids have to, to just listen to it and so katie oftentimes will be like oh we should play i don't know some something for them or that they like and my argument is always because see like when i was growing up 
I had to listen to what my dad wanted to fucking listen to, or my mom wanted to listen to, and that was it. So I'm going to win somewhere here. I'm going to get to listen to the thing I wanted to listen to in the car at some point in my life. And you know what? Listening to the stuff my parents liked was a good thing. Like, it was a good thing. I got turned on to a bunch of cool music. Like, not everything they listened to was, like, awesome, but many things were, right? So I don't regret it for one second. True. You guys, I, the same thing was true in my house. My dad put on whatever the hell he wanted to, and he did it at full volume, very loudly. <laughs> and you either dealt with it or you didn't. But that's where I got so many great things that I still love today. And it's good that he did that. Now, had his taste sucked, maybe wouldn't I wouldn't be so good. If he was into Kenny G but... or some shit. He was not into Kenny G. Yeah. No, he was into Enya. Crazy. He was into Enya. Yeah. We definitely went through an Enya period. But I kind of like Enya, so I'm not going to front. Yo, y'all familiar with Morris music? No, I think so. No. It's like the kind of music that you play to Morris dancing? Mar that was like... I you're, think... you're saying a word at the beginning yeah, Mar and it, it Mar sounds like a planet and I'm not sure what Mars? Morris? Morris. M-O-R-R-I-S. M-O-R-I-S. So, like Morris. I think I think that's like the closest thing like that he had yeah. annual wise maybe was like the Morris dancing stuff. But it was fine. It was perfectly viable. That was just like as far that, that was like as far as he got to like having any sort of thing along those lines. Oh wow. Man, I, I, yeah. So this is English folk dance. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So what is it? Like Fairport Convention was not Morris dancing music, but it was like a long sort of like similar-ish and like Steel Eye Span and all of those. And then he had, but then, he, which was cool. I like that stuff. But then he like straight up got, I think, a Morris dancing album, which was fun. To okay, what's the wackest shit that your parents listened to? This, I think, is a good tangent. What's the wackest, just unbearably bad, worst shit that your parents listen to? My mom was big on Christian radio. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think you win. I don't think we yeah, have to go anywhere. I don't, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sorry to just let that out the gate. I should have let you guys control I was going to say, like, Mar Mary Chapin Carpenter for me. But, yeah, no, Christian music, like, knocks out you. Man. It's not even music. I don't care. Like, it's <laughs> like... Church hymns are music, Christian rock is trash. <laughs> I think there's only one thing I can think of that even closely approximates that, which is that my dad liked Van Morrison a lot back in the day when he was good. But then for reasons I can't fully explain, he continued to listen to his later music, which was not advisable. I would not recommend because Van Morrison sort of got a little religious-y and it wasn't like in a good way. Right. So. That's huh. as far as he went that direction. Um, uh, yeah, no, late Van Morrison sucks. I just want to go on record. Like, fuck you for making that later stuff. It was terrible and you should feel bad. Yeah, okay, <laughs> agree, agree. I love, I love that this podcast is turning into, hey, Van Morrison. Hey, hey, hey Van Morrison. I know, you're, I know you're fucking no, listening. Like, you have, you have. I, like, I know you can do better. You did better. You did great stuff early on. I don't know what yeah. this shit is, but. Yeah, yeah. what she said. Yeah. yeah. Right. Fel fellows or folks in the chat, what. You should put in the chat, like, what is your, what is, like, the wackest shit your parents listen to? And so, for me, yeah, Mary Chapin Carpenter was one, I, I don't know, I guess she's not that terrible, but I'm trying to think what else. I don't know that they really listened to stuff that was just, like, straight up awful. I don't think so. Oh, okay, alright, I will, okay, there's something that reminds, uh, I just came to my mind. There was a Paul Simon album that came out in the 90s called 
songs from the Cape Man or something. So it was like, so there was like Graceland, there was like Rhythm of the Saints, and then there was the follow-up to Rhythm of the Saints. And it was like from a musical that he made. And I remember they bought that CD and we played it in the car and it was bad. Like, just bad. It was like, it was kind of like this, that, maybe that's not fair. It was like this album in the sense of, it was just like, like little bits of Paul Simon and then like a musical sort of playing or sound. I don't know. Like Songs from the Cape Man. 1997 yeah, that yeah, came out. Yeah, like it, it, it was, I think. Self-produced. It, 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 it tried to sound like West Side Story a little bit, but mixed with Paul Simon. Just imagine that, like, abortion, right? Like, it was just, the shit was awful. <laughs> so I, I guess if I was going to talk about, like, the worst things my dad listened to, I don't know, he was on a Boys to Men kick at the same time frame. A lot of people were on a Boys to Men kick, which is a strange thing for my father to That's be a very strange thing. I am well, having such terrible. a hard time imagining Abdul <laughs> being a... Huh. Tim, yeah. Tim, was, so, so Tim Lewis was like, was like was singing like, along to the, the end of the road. <laughs> I, to be fair, I don't think I ever heard my dad sing along to anything. <laughs> the fact that he was listening to that, it wasn't like in 2004 my dad discovered Boys to Men. It was contemporary with Boys to Men's career. And I think it was growing up on early Motown that kind of influenced that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of people were making that type of music newly in the mid '90s. But I remember, I think I remember seeing it was probably a greatest hits, but it might have been the first Wham album. Whoa! In my so when I was like when I was like five or six, and we moved out of Petersburg and moved into a house my dad had built, I remember finding like a case of their eight-track tapes. And I remember the, like, there was a Wham album. I remember nice. Wham being a piece of their collection. And you know what? They weren't wrong. Wham is enjoyable for what it is. Right. Um, yeah. Wham is not like, yeah. Look, Michael W. Smith or any of those, like, Christian whatever groups from back then, like, just. They're not, they're, they're not musicians. They're people trying to make a buck off of a bunch of suckers. That's all they are. <laughs> it just rem it reminds me. I think South Park basically had the end-all, be-all, like, like, word on this music, which is, like, that Carbon starts a band, and he decides to start a... It, it's a Christian rock band, and he... Plus one. And, yeah, and he... <laughs> and he replaces... Like, he basically just rips off songs, and then he replaces Baby with Jesus, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, everything's in, like, a passionate song about Jesus, but Carbon <laughs> chooses all the, like, sexually passionate <laughs> It's garbage. It's an attempt by a bunch of fucking half-informed idiots to stay relevant. It doesn't work. <laughs> okay, on that note, you want to try and review this motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. I love this album, like, for what it is. Is it my go-to psychedelic album? Absolutely not. Is it my go-to classic rock album? No. It's a solid, like three in my book the symphonic tracks are probably a big part of what keeps it from being like incredibly mind-blowing but i like the way that they tie everything together this is middle of the road for me this is i can listen to it start to finish and be just as happy as if i skip through the, the tracks that i enjoy 
Yeah, pretty similarly. It's got moments and pieces that, that I really, the orchestral and the spoken word drags that rating down a little bit. I would end up giving it a 3.5, I think. So three, possibly, I might err on the side of 3.5. If I gun to my head, I might give it a 3.5. It has the moments that are good are really good. And the moments that I don't super vibe with or they are what they are. It is just something different though, and I appreciate that like overall about it. It's not, whatever you feel about it, it's, it's not like the same old thing. It's definitely something to shake up your routine. I will give it that point, points for being different. Yeah, I think put, yeah, I'm gonna say three stars also. And three stars because I, the parts that I like, I really like, like the parts that I, I dig are catchy and weird and and I've already said enough about Vincent Price here and whatever, whoever the hell. Was that, wait, was that, was that one of the Moody Blues that did the voiceovers? I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's... Justin Hayward, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, so all the things I've said, I think, yeah, three stars. And I was going to give it two and a half, but then I was like, you know what? It is true that it is different. It probably broke some ground when it comes to Prague and stuff like that. I'm not like a huge fan of Prague from like the like 70s. King Crimson is really cool and there's some other cool stuff and there's some Yes records that are pretty, they're all right and stuff, but I'm not like, and Rush, some of the old Rush records are cool, but so for me, like some of those developments are not like super interesting, they're boring, but it was different. It was very different. So you have to give it credit there. And like it was influential. So I think you have to give it credit there too. Three stars for me. Yeah. And Nights and White Satin starts playing. Nights right? and White Satin, yeah. 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 There's something about singing, like performing some of these like songs from this time. Do you guys remember that movie, The Cable Guy? Yeah. Actually, I've watched it recently. Oh, really? <laughs> So I, one of the scenes I remember in the Cable Guy is where he throws Carrie, Jim Carrey's character throws the party, and he does karaoke to somebody to love, if I'm not mistaken. And I totally understand why you would want to sing, like per, try to perform these sort of epic songs with this kind of singing that I feel like was common in this time, late 60s. Just like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's because it's not like necessarily it's hard to sing. Like I've sung this song. It's actually not hard to, not that hard to sing. The range is yeah, pretty compressed. Say, yeah, the, the range is in your vocal range yes. for sure. But the phrasing is like, big <laughs> like it's yeah it's like epic and so there's a fun there's something fun about trying to sing those like big epic songs and it's nice when you can actually hit all the notes more or less uh, i think it's not a hard song to sing but i think it is a little bit more impressive to to pack that much feeling into your voice i think he does that and i'm not sure that i could i think i would definitely fall a little bit short even if i could hit all the all the notes and stuff like that i, I think i gotta I, give him credit there i think if you have like several alcoholic beverages it makes things just way easier <laughs> do you know because that to me is like a require like i have to have several drinks before i try and sing like a fucking moron it's just a just yeah, i, I know this karaoke was never in my repertoire and not developed the taste for it yet that's fine did you <sighs> did, ryan did you guys go to the Remember when uh, 
my company merged with the other company and like we threw that party. Yeah. Did you guys? Did you go to the party? I did. Did you sing I karaoke? Did. I did not. Oh man, what a disaster, dude. So I had a was, friend. Yeah, it didn't work for me. <laughs> I had a, a friend in my first set of college days at Shepherd who liked to go out to the the clubs in Martinsburg and sing karaoke. And this was around the time frame where it was a lot of Cheryl Crow and Kid Rock's pictures and <laughs> stuff like that. Nice. And <clears throat> for whatever reason, I think I just was like people were just like badgering me come on sign up for something and so I finally grudgingly did and I remember there was a night where I picked two songs and one and, and mind you this is like early 2000s Martinsburg where none of this is popular I sang the Beatles eight days a week okay all right cool <laughs> good choice that's a good uh, karaoke choice no it, it, I enjoyed it I had fun yeah. it went it went over very flat and I think the other thing I chose was like a loud screamy song it was the false deny i think <laughs> so yeah. long story short people stopped asking me to karaoke <laughs> Dude, yeah. yeah i keep thinking about how good some misfit songs would be for karaoke and then i remember how while it's tongue-in-cheek how horrible the lyrics to most misfit songs <laughs> are the things that they sing about it totally Oh yeah, I don't think I want to sing that in front of a ton of people. I, maybe in a private room with my friends. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like, yeah, private room. I think is it totally it de-risks yeah. like the karaoke yeah. experience. It, it's not that I brought, have a, an issue with singing about how I killed your baby today. It's that <laughs> I have an issue with singing about how there's a whore in your brain. Like, <laughs> like the the misfits were arguably tongue-in-cheek misogynist. So I remember at that party we did, like we had multiple microphones, so we were like doing duets and stuff. And we did, <laughs> so it was like me and the first employee we ever hired, Elaine, who's like just an awesome person. And she was like, hey, let's do a duet or whatever. And I was like, cool. And, and we were going through the songs or whatever. And I was like, why don't we sing Prince? I don't know, this was like how many, however many beers or drinks deep, and I was taking an Uber home. So, oh <laughs> well, it wasn't right, even yeah. the ability or any of that stuff. So she was like, okay. So we started singing, I think it was, I, I can't remember which which song it was exactly. I can't remember off the top which song it was. Like, But we started singing and I was like, whoa, this is like super not cool for like a bot, a, someone's boss to be singing like with someone's employee i know there's a lot of drinks here but as i'm saying the words of maybe we should switch a song or something like yeah, yeah. it gets into tricky territory there with prince and his lyrics yeah i i think if i was to sing a misfit song i might be able to get away with where eagles dare but that <laughs> may be the only misfit song that i don't have to answer for something after i think uh i think like to me it's hard to go wrong with some kind of cheeser 80s stuff because it's usually not hard to sing and like everyone there's a, like a wide variety of people know the songs it's all hungry like a wolf it's all i love I, i'll, I'll like sing hungry like the wolf or rio or any of the any duran yeah. i another favorite of mine was just basically anything by the cure 
because Robert Smith's range is also so you have to be strategic, right? So you want to be able to yeah. emote and whatever, but you also want to not like you're not picking like Rob Halford, right? And the problem is that as an aging adult male, I find myself crying in awkward situations, and I think singing the cure in front of a group of people could result in tears. <laughs> really. Yeah, man. I don't know why. I get weepy in moments that maybe don't like constitute it for everybody, but for some reason they get they get me weepy. And the cure, surefire way to get me weepy. I got I got weepy like a couple weeks ago when we were watching. Me and the kids were watching the Batman animated series. <laughs> it, yeah, it was the Mister Freeze episode, the first nice. one. Yeah, it, it's really intense, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot focused on the fact that he's doing it to like Sick. for like his wife. That's right. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah, it's really intense. Yeah. it's really quite intense. Yeah. We sat down and watched Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind a Ooh. couple of weeks ago, and when we pulled it up, I looked at Aubrey. I was like, "This is gonna. I know how good this movie is. This is gonna be very difficult for me to yeah. make it through without crying." And yeah, there was definitely a moment where I had tears running down my cheek. Wow. It's a it's a difficult it's a difficult movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap this up in after party. Take us away, Ryan. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in yet again as we go over albums that your parents might not have even listened to, <laughs> but definitely have in your catalog. I have a great idea for next time. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right just follow me here though okay because it's a little controversial what if we all listened to the new taylor swift album fuck man this is your mission they're not all missions of like fun and pleasure okay see adrian Adrian, adrian's down for this is the first one where i felt like i don't choose to accept it (laughs) Yeah, there. It is your mission, but there's also a should you choose to accept it implied at the end. Yeah, um, but the, yeah. but have you Listen, ever watched? Right, have you ever watched? I'm a, not excited about it, but I'll. It do feels it. like a stunt. Like I don't give a shit, and it feels like a stunt. Do it. I feel like you're holding that same golden gun to my head. Dude, dude here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's I have to do it too. It's not. It's not like I'm We're making you guys do it. We're all gonna suffer together. And and, yeah. and so and so here's the thing. Fuck also, that logic. here's that, here's that the logic thing. is. That logic is you, like, like so sub- submit something, like, it's just, yeah. It's cool. I'll listen to whatever. It's not my week to pick. I don't give a fuck. I like music. I'll, there could be delicious things on here that I don't know about, and I might thank you at the end of it. But my initial feeling is, like, what did I fucking do to you? <laughs> okay, look. You watch those Mission Impossible movies, right? You have. You have. I've seen like okay, I so there you the go. first one right. and I've never made it back. All right, and okay. there's a reason I didn't go back and watch it. Okay, alright, so check this out. Okay, you can imagine how they go, right? Fucking Tom Cruise doesn't be like, you know what, man, fuck this mission. I'm out. He's not you know what? Mm, eh, just, I, don't, eh, I don't know. Let's, let's talk about that paycheck. <laughs> right. I just think that's not a movie. The movie is, man, this is some fucked up shit that I have to try and do. I'm going to fucking go and do it. It's, it's dirty, but we all get our choices and I'll respect it. I just won't go quietly. I don't even know if this is my choice, but I it just... Like I, you're fucking well, I just, look, I just said, I just wanted to offer that up. I feel like it would challenge all of us. It um, would. I feel like it could result in, like, something unexpected. I feel like I would take that bet. <laughs> 
could. It's possible. It's fun. Uh, Don't put me in the position of defending her, dude. Like, seriously, one put, of the... You put you, in the, you put you in this position. You made this guys, choice. You, you uh, put you in this. I have to ask, is this the Suffer Cloak? Is this... Have we reached it now? This is it? And that's okay. I'm down Pulling to talk about... Pulling that cloak off. We could listen... It's, okay. It's actually in the shape of a cardigan that has... Uh, what the fuck is the name of her new album on it? Folklore. Yeah, Folklore. Yeah. It... The, it's folklore. a fucking cardigan, and it says folklore on it, and you put it on, and you suffer, and that's okay. So, like, the, the, I, maybe this I'll is like a, maybe this is like a what is it, a Schadenfreude Freud episode yeah. that we make. I am down but to talk okay, shit right? on how much I didn't like it. That's fine. I complain all the time. <laughs> I'm not, no stranger to complaining. That's okay. I would and, argue that there are more beneficial Schadenfreude episodes for sure. <laughs> If I should happen to, God forbid, like any of it, then I will have fun eating my words and like laughing at myself. I don't know. We'll Me see. too. Me too. I might like it. I guess it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. You okay. Here's okay. Here's what we're gonna do. Because you know, MI six doesn't do this shit. MI six just gives you the fucking mission, then you do it. But are you fucking? MI Alonzo is going to give you two choices. Okay. So let's put the two choices right. up. Okay. Okay. New Taylor Swift album. Mm hmm Choice one. Right. Choice, choice two. Chocolate, the hot dog, then the starfish and the hot dog. Limp biscuit. Yeah. The one, thing I'll argue, the one thing I'll argue about chocolate, hot dog, and starfish flavored water. Whatever, whatever the fuck it's called. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate how close I got, but I know. <laughs> The one thing about that is that I think it exists in the time frame that we had originally considered. But the thing about Taylor Swift is that it airs in the opposite direction we've been trending for varying from that like time frame. I just, I don't feel like there's a redeemable like musical component to anything Taylor Swift does. And it feels like a fucking stunt. Like, <laughs> it, it feels it feels like we're about to evil Knievel the fucking Grand Canyon, and and neither are that fucking interesting. We're not evil Knievel, and she's not the Grand Canyon. It's not like it just it's it's, okay. it's fine. So we, so Olympus Olympus. That's just dirty. Right? <laughs> Okay, so it's the shit sandwich you know versus the shit sandwich you don't. Yeah, and and I certainly <laughs> would typically err on the shit sandwich I don't know. Now that I know chocolate starfish well enough to, I think I may have gotten close to the shortcut of the title that time. <laughs> but but there's a reason I don't know that, and that's because I know I'm not interested. And with the Taylor Swift thing, it feels dirty, but it's a, you know that's it's a, cool. It's a stunt. I, it's a stunt. I I totally agree. I, I think, yeah, I think I'm up next to choose, so maybe I can get that pendulum swinging in I a think better you, direction. You can, yeah, next you can. Time, next yeah. time, because I've, I've got some ideas. Hold on, I, I have some ideas for the next album that's a little bit more like things we should have heard but had no fucking chance of hearing. So, is is remind me is not the chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water? Is that not <laughs> is faith not on that one? No, we got there. This, this is, is a post-faith album, uh, right? This is this I, is a post. Is this, 
This yes, faith, faith is on. Yeah, faith is on three dollar bill, y'all. Oh yeah. shit, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so, in, that's insane. So, chocolate. <laughs> Go ahead. No, come on, come on, man. You gotta say that shit with a straight face. <laughs> now we know the thing. That whatever that shit that we just were talking about. <laughs> that record. What's gonna be great about it is we will totally do. We'll do a. We'll do a an EP challenge, but all of us are gonna have to defend five songs <laughs> or so. Half Hold an on. hour of this. Half an hour of this. This record. Oh, yeah. No, I, I like. I know how I came across when this initial challenge was laid down, and I was very anti Taylor Swift, and I apologize. <laughs> I'd like to formally, I like in looking at the track list. Yeah. Are you going to defend um, the Nookie? Because like Nookie's on I'd the like show. A, or no, I, Nookie's not on the show. No. This so guy. yeah, no, I have no yeah. idea what's on that. What is okay? Rolling, was, Roland parentheses wow. air raid vehicle is the like big hit. They I think they covered my generation on this album. Roland, Roland, Roland. It may not even be a cover. <laughs> they may not. They may have just gone straight for the, the song title <laughs> "My Generation" without any reference to the Who. Fine, fuck it. Mainline some Taylor Swift. It's cool. Like <laughs> we might I, like it. We might like it. Who knows? Certainly, I can get my hands on enough substances to numb me through it. Okay, Brian, do you like the I National? Don't, I don't think oh. I can get through it. I do, do like the National. You do the National. I don't, I don't think they make drugs that can get me through okay. chocolate stuff. You do like the National. But you can, it might be fun yeah. to, to try to find some that do so and see what happens. Guy from the National was the co writer on this new Taylor Swift album. So the lead singer? Yeah. Huh. I, just say. I, I still say whatever he wrote would have been better spent with the National as opposed to Taylor Swift, but he would have made less money. So I understand his decision. Right, it's Aaron Dessner, best known yeah. as a founding member of the rock band The National. Yeah, not the super depressed lead singer, but his is it his brother? Don't know, but. So there you go. That's that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, right? That's interesting. Who knows? Look, again, I respect you for some reason. I'm <laughs> currently having a hard time figuring out what that is. Well, uh, but I respect you, mm -hmm. and I won't do more than argue the point that I've already made, and I won't beat it into the ground. Okay. This is, Whatever yeah. I've done to you is bad enough that you. <laughs> feel like you have to put me through Taylor Swift for a week. That's fine. We've known each other for a quarter of a fucking century and I'm, I guarantee things have been that bad. All's well, so, all's well that ends well because you never, but you know what, this could, it could turn out to be the great, it could turn out to be horrible. It could turn it out could to be turn very, out to be the, the it could turn out to be the thing that I talk about during your funeral. It could be the thing, it could be the greatest episode of the pod so far, right? Oh. <laughs> No, that's that's more chocolate starfish. If you're asking me, but this is the kind of taste we cultivate <laughs> in my house. This is what we think about the idea of listening to a Taylor Swift album. It's all a bunch of cat assholes. <laughs> so, yeah, it could be the greatest episode. We could all listen to it and be like, you know what, this shit was all right. You know, I I think the album before this was something that I thought was interesting. I don't know that I've had any thoughts on her latest work 
I think she's made attempts to retain some sort of artistic viability. I think by and large, people with no taste tend to pretend she has some kind of artistic yes agree um, 100% and- but, but we're but we're but you know what we're basically all of us Jenny you'll soon be 39 and you know what who the fuck cares man if we like it we like it and- if it sucks it blows and then we'll yeah. trash it and it'll be hilarious and if this doesn't happen when I'm 40 that's actually a bummer <laughs> If it happens when I'm 40, then it's like one of the things that I'm like, suicide is it worth it? <laughs> I think when you're when you turn 40, really, it's like you get get your motorcycle and you're putting bad to the bone on repeat, like just and and just riding your motorcycle. To be fair, it'll probably be bad out of hell. But that's fine. <laughs> All right, okay. So the new Taylor Swift album, it is. I apologize. Not really. I don't. I'm not. Sorry. Doesn't mean anything. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Apology is meaningless and it's not accepted. <laughs> and Jen- Jenny, are you going to be okay with this? Are you going to be able to deal? Yeah, in as much as I've had some occasions of my life had to suffer through some music I didn't love. Maybe I mean, does, you know, does, Chris, does Christopher does, does Chris like this like any of the shit? Just being younger. Um, Give the man more respect. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I don't know. I do not know his exact feelings on Taylor Swift, but I can tell you, I, I just know in my heart that he's cooler with it than I am, even if he's not a fan. He's certainly cooler with it than I am. <laughs> So we'll find the, out. The fucking title. Folklore, the Salt Box House chapter. Really? Fucking salt. What really? the fuck is this? What is a salt box house? Fuck you. Look, we we did just get li- done listening to uh, <laughs> a record. Yeah. But it somehow doesn't feel that pompous when I say it out loud. Yeah. It doesn't feel as pompous as this. What about Aubrey? Is she is she a Taylor Swift tour? We've got eight years in between us. There are definitely things that resonate with her that don't resonate with me. Yes. I've never heard her listen to Taylor Swift. Okay. All right. You know what and Chris she, actually really protects. likes? Chris Chris really likes MF Doom, turns out. Hey, well. To, again, let me just say the Prince Paul and One Mike Eagle, our Open Mike Eagle podcast. Fuck. Like yeah. They talk about their time with MF Doom and yeah. it talks about how tight Prince Paul and MF Doom actually were for a period of time. Yeah, I su- I've really subscribed good. to it. It's yeah, I, I just downloaded the latest episode, so I'll listen to it. Uh, Adrian says you guys should put it around the family without mentioning that's for the podcast, and mm-hmm. see what happens. <laughs> I think Chris will a, immediately. Yeah. He will immediately go. What's yeah. wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah that's this is thing. not a thing I'm putting on by choice. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, I don't think we can do. I don't think I can do that without my no family one would fall for that. starting to no question fall like what's for. going on. I'm wearing an I'm wearing an Acid King T-shirt. Um, <laughs> immediately, Aubrey would be like, "This is for the podcast." Yeah. Really? Well, well, I'm she being submitted some ideas, and I'm like, "That's a good idea." And we'll file it away. Taylor Swift's new album is going to get like. <laughs> Not feeling to that, and I, I don't know how to explain that. Yeah, I'm just glad we have two bedrooms because I'll have a place to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Look, dude, look, I'm under GPS monitoring, so I think it's not on brand uh, for me to be listening to Taylor Swift either. So it's good. Look, it'll be, it could be the greatest episode, or it could be the greatest episode. 
If it's the greatest episode, this podcast is over. <laughs> this is the if apotheosis. The apotheosis if, episode. If, if that's the greatest episode, then I'm done. Like this is. If we listen to so much better music that if that's the best we can do, I'm out. I don't want to be part of this gimmick. Wouldn't it be amazing? All right. Okay. Thanks. Thanks everyone for sticking around.